is Hard Parking, brought to you by Wright Honda and Wright Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I am the voice, I am the host, I am Jay Finning. Coming up on today's show, we're going to get into a little bit of car news. We haven't done car news in a while. The Civic Type R is finally out. Going to look at what people are saying. Hopefully, Wright Honda has one pretty soon, and we can go over there and check it out and do a walk around with uh, Mr. Joe Tanalia. About all I can offer at this point is kind of a quick walk around of the 2023 Honda CRV compared to the 2022. More to come on that. Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about Four Wheel Online. For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. The truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at Four Wheel Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's Four Wheel Online, the number four wheel online. Kind of witnessed uh, an interesting thing the other day. So I was at the store picking up some food. It's at Popeye's, if you want to know. Picked up a meal, but as soon as I walk in, it's this weird, it's this weird customer. I don't know if it's a, it's not really a customer service thing, but it's just, and it, maybe the older I get, the more I pick up on this stuff. But the guy in front of me was picking up his food and he asked the young lady, hey, do you have a drink holder? And she said, no, we're out. I'm sorry, we're out of drink holders. I can give you a bag. And I'm thinking, what the hell is this guy going to do with a bag? You need a drink holder, not to put your three full drinks in a bag and walk out with it. And it keeps them upright. Like, I don't have to explain to you guys what a drink holder is meant to do. But just the thought that she's like, well, I, I, I can give you a bag. And then the guy's like, no, thank you. So he walks off. She's like, that guy's such an asshole. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's like one of the first customers we had. And he's a, I don't know what, an Uber Eats guy. And I guess he's a dick or something. But it's just, it's interesting that she thought that that would, I mean, I thought it was funny, but I could be that guy that's like, oh, that's interesting. Can I speak to your manager, please? Because you can't. Like, the guy literally just walked out. So anyway, so I'm walking in. There's one other person in the dining room sitting down eating. And so I order the food. I order food for all of us, a couple chicken sandwiches, eight-piece meal, spicy, kids menu. Guys, keep in mind, it's just me. Kids menu, item. So we get the kids nuggets. Whatever else, like Zeke wants. She goes, all right, take a seat. We'll call your number when your order's up. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. Sit down. Three or four minutes later, she calls my number, get up there, and it's all on a tray. She goes, oh, I'm sorry, was that for here to go? And I'm like, um, I'm sorry, it's, it's to go. Oh, okay. But I'm thinking, I walked in by myself. There was one other person in the dining room. Like, what are we doing? How are we not paying attention? Now, granted, it's... Fast food, right? It's a starting job for most people unless you work at McDonald's and they have weirdly a bunch of old people working there. But McDonald's gives opportunities and I'm not kicking anybody for what they do to make money. Trust me, I'm not. But I had another situation and I won't disclose the company, but it's a friend of mine who owns a company. Well, he became a friend of mine after I became a customer of his. But before NS Expo, we had a situation to where I needed some items and I needed them sooner than later. So we had different communication. I go, Hey, I need these items, need this color, need this amount, need this size. How soon can you get them? Goes, well, you know, I got to send them out to my guy and you know, turn around is a week, week and a half. I go, well, 
I need them by this date. Can you make that happen? He goes, yeah, we should be fine. And then we had that conversation. I sent him the files and we moved on to another product. And I said, hey, no, I need this stuff. When can you get this stuff done for me? This is what I wanted to say. So we started designing it and sending back and forth. You want it like this, you want it like that. I go, no, I don't like that color. I don't like the shape. I like those. Order those. When can those be done? Well, we can have these done in a couple of days. I said, okay, cool. A few days go by. It's now a Friday. I need this stuff by the following Tuesday. So I come into his office and I pick up the things, the, the second ordered items. I go, hey, by the way, where are the first ones? Uh, the first ones? I said, yeah, the first ones. We talked about it. We did. And he sat there and searched for the email and he found them from week, a week prior. But now it's Friday. He says, I don't work Saturday. I don't work Mondays. I go, okay. Well, I need the stuff by Tuesday. He goes, well, you know, I'd have to work today and tomorrow to get them done. I go, well, if you, if you can't do it, it's fine. I have another source. I have a bigger source. I try to support small business. You commit to doing them. Okay, I can do them. I'm going to have to work today and tomorrow. I'm like, don't work too hard. Just if you can't do them, that's fine. I can just find somebody else. I know there's another company that I know can crank them out for me by the time I need them. So don't stretch your time out for me. So that Sunday, I hit him up. And I go, hey, were you able to get those done on Friday or Saturday? And he goes, well, I told you I don't work on Friday or Saturday. I go, oh, well, you know, we just discussed that you were going to work on them on Friday or Saturday, but can you not get them done? If not, there's still time. And he didn't really say anything. Like, no, I'll get them. So then that Tuesday, I go and pick them up. And they, first, he kind of had an attitude with me about it. I go, how much are they? He counted them up. I paid him his money for them. But the quality of the product was nowhere near what it typically would have been had he had ordered them. So I think he printed them locally. Printed again. Yeah, these are decals from my car. So he must have printed them locally there in his office on normal paper. They're not laminated, nothing else. So I'm looking at him. I'm like, eh, quality's not really there. I only need them for like a week. Not a big deal. But I go to put them on the car, and they just don't stick right. They don't look right. Sometimes you want to wet the surface before you apply them. It's a wet application versus dry application. It prevents them from wrinkling it up. But then when you go to squeegee, some of the color starts coming off. And I'm just looking at them like, fuck, man, these are shit. And it, it is, I would rather save face with your customer. Don't even think about them as a friend. Think about them as a customer. If you can't deliver your best and you know what your best is, then you shouldn't deliver at all. So in that case, I feel like that situation, you should have said, hey, you know, my bad. I dropped the ball. Can't guarantee you I can get them to you. I can guarantee you that the person I typically use is not going to be able to turn them around. Optionally, I can make it myself, but they're not going to be as good. You may want to go with your other option if it's going to be a better option for you. So in the end, you know, he still got his money, but I got a shit product. And so the parallel between those two situations is, okay, you have this weird thing at Popeye's, like you're not paying attention to what's going on in front of you. You're comfortable enough with a, a complete stranger to call the previous customer an asshole on top of offering them a bag for their drinks. And then this person, you're not paying attention to whether they walked in with a group or they walked in by themselves. And plus they ordered enough food. Like, so if I ordered one meal, you don't know if it's for here to go if you don't ask. But if I order a bunch of food and it's just me, it's obviously to go. So I guess my point in all that is to kind of think about your interactions, whether you're on the consumer side or you're on the corporate side, company side, small business side. 
also it's just it's unreal, right? It's unreal. Before we get into some car news, kind of want to talk about my weekly show with my good friend Wes Tankersley. You know, obviously we do One Drink Wednesday. Some people, there's people who join that that probably do not listen to my podcast, probably don't listen to Wes's podcast, but they look forward to that interaction with us and watching us, watching our dynamic every Wednesday on Instagram Live. This week, we kind of, this last week, we talked about perception versus reality. And I have a clip up on my Instagram, perception versus reality somewhere. But the perception versus reality is kind of a, you know, there's the whole fake it till you make it. There's also dress for success and you'll be successful. But somewhere in the middle is effort. Somewhere in the middle is reality. So the perception is this is a great sounding podcast. I have financial supporters. I love you all for it. Thank you so much for believing in me. When I post stuff on social media, when I post eclipse, when you see who some of my guests are, because I don't chase I don't celebrity guests. Like a lot of people's podcasts depend on the interaction with other people. They think that if I get a big name, my podcast is going to blow up. That's not true at all. And any podcaster will tell you that. That's definitely not true. So then you have to make sure whatever it is you're doing. So for me, it's this podcast. You guys know I make shirts on the side. I pick up a few really small accounts. But for me, this podcast, you have to enjoy what it is you're doing. I enjoy doing this. I look forward. It gives me something to do every week. Not that I need anything to do, but it gives me something to do. But then it's kind of like between this and the YouTube, I really want to grow the YouTube, really want to do the content. It's time for me to start outsourcing. But the perception is I'm killing it. The reality is I have a full-time job. And without that full-time job, I couldn't survive doing just the podcast and obviously the YouTube. I don't even have a thousand subs. You have to have a thousand subs, 4,000 viewing hours, and you have to have good content. I'm not saying I don't have good content, but I'm just saying I don't meet either the first two criteria. So number three doesn't even matter at this point. But I would like to, as anybody in this case, you know, you want to get to a point to where your hobby doesn't necessarily become work, but becomes something that not only is something you enjoy doing, but you might be able to make a little bit of extra money off of it. And so I take those funds that I get from podcasting and I use them on things. So my wife doesn't yell at me at when I use our money for things that she doesn't feel like I should. So do I need new wheels? No, I don't really use my podcast money for that. I get an allowance. But the reality is it's it's not all like it's not it's not a perfect world. So for those of you who are loyal to this show, the show is not going anywhere. But tell people about it. You know, tell a friend. Tell someone, hey, you should check out this podcast. Hard parking, it's just freaking awesome. Yasu, I know you're listening in Japan. You need to get more Japan listeners on here. I will send you some. I will pay the money, and I will send you. Actually, I'm going to send you a shirt. When you listen to this, send me your mailing address because I know you will listen to this. I'm going to give you a hard parking shirt. Make sure you give me your size. Maybe I'll send you a few shirts. Maybe you can throw them Throw them people. Send you some stickers and paint Japan. Will they kill you in Japan if you put a sticker up somewhere? Hopefully not. But there's some things, guys. Here's what I want to do with this studio. It's time to get on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, but it's time to record these sessions. Although I am not good with that recorder on, the camera on. But eventually I'll get used to it, and it's like the camera isn't on. But that's the next thing. So when I have a guest sitting in front of me in the studio, because the way the studio is set up, some of you have seen this, it's nice. It's not the best, but it's definitely not the worst. And I feel like I'm one or two small things away from taking this studio, 
this podcast to the next level. And for all of you who are with me right now, you'll be able to sit back and be like, I was a part of that. I was an active listener to that because the listening is just as important. Let me, let me rephrase that. Listening on a regular basis and spreading the word is more important than even the financial contributions, which I love. I make good money when I have a job. And so I can afford some of these things, even if I didn't have any financial backers. But the financial backers are the people who, whether it's a company sponsor, like Right Honda and Right Toyota, or Pell Construction, you know, Big House, and you'll hear all that in the end. But if someone's paying to advertise on my show, if someone's paying to support the show, then my commitment to you to them is to get content out. And this is real. And a lot of times, like I, this, this show, I used to talk about more personal stuff in life, more life lessons, more stuff going on around the house, by the way, to the baby shower that we had, that fucking cafe window that my wife wanted that I went with, but we did not need it. It was a very expensive window. It goes from the kitchen to outside with a big trifold window like you would have at a bar. That thing was a hit. That thing is awesome. I never said it wasn't awesome. I just said we didn't need it because I'm still waiting for my driveway. But anyway, a lot of that stuff actually goes to the patrons. And I'm not trying to push people listening to this to pay for, the, for that content. But what I realized is last month and a half, and that's not going to change. I'm not going to change what I give them. But a lot of those things that I talked to them about, I used to have on the podcast. So you guys have to let me know, especially as we get closer to the end of the year. I'm going to still try to put on an episode every week as I have done every single week this year, whether I was traveling or not. Like, let's say I was going out of town Thursday through Sunday, Thursday through Monday. I would make sure I have everything recorded by that Wednesday so that I could take it on the road with me. Probably drives my wife crazy, but I will edit this shit in the airplane. I will edit it at night when I'm on vacation to make sure I get it out for all of you to make sure you have something to listen to on Monday morning. Now, the biggest mistake I've made and I've, I've continued to make and I will no longer continue to make Thanksgiving bonus episodes. No one listens to them. If I put on an episode this Thanksgiving, no one's going to listen to it. If Monday is a holiday, like Memorial Day, Labor Day. No one's going to listen to it. I got to push it out on a Tuesday. And that gives me that extra day. But I do all that for you guys. So the perception is we're killing it. The reality is we need more people listening to this show, especially now that we have a webpage. I drive around. My car is both my vehicles are ads for this show. They both have a big hardparkingpod.com on them. It's got a store on there. It's got everything you want. So Everything that I say on here, like if you want a shirt, you don't have to go, you don't have to email me, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Just go to hardparkingpod.com and everything you would typically want is there. Coming up, car news. In an article pulled up by CBS News, so this is an article within an article, but the article, Shift to Electric Cars Happening Too Slowly to Avoid Climate Catastrophe, the report finds. This article is by Irina Ivanova on CBS News, like I just said. But this is according to a report released by Greenpeace this week. Scientists say phasing out gas and diesel-powered cars is imperative for there to be any hope of avoiding the worst effects of global warming. 
take a side note here. We've been talking about global warming since the 80s. I remember that was like the big thing. That was even before this is your brain on drugs campaign, the war on drugs campaign. And I didn't hear about it for 30 years, 35 years, but it seems to be a thing now. And now they say that we're actually seeing the effects of global warming. And I have one of those weird attitudes about it where things seem to be okay for me now. Hundreds of years, thousands of years, millions of years from now, when the earth has gone to complete shit, I will be way gone. But it's not like I don't care about our environment. I do. But how much effort should we really be putting into preserving certain things? Like some things are just unavoidable. We know through science the life cycle of a planet. We know a life cycle of a star. We know that eventually the sun will swell up and absorb the earth if the earth is perfect from now until that happens millions of years from now. So climate change, I'm not saying it's not real, it is real, but it's one of those deals. It's like we have so much going on on our planet right now. It's like what is the, it's a cute thing to, to care about, but what is the impact to our everyday lives? I know, I, again, I know I sound reckless. You know, we have pollution in the ocean that are killing marine life. To me, that is more important. Let's get all that plastic shit out of here. But if the... Glaciers are melting and they're changing our everyday climate. That's just, that's natural. That's going to happen regardless of what we do. Are we eroding our ozone layer? Maybe. Or maybe it was going to happen anyway. Again, not trying to, try, not trying to sound careless here. But you have to kind of look at it like that in a certain sense. Fossil fuels are bad, sure. Then what else are we going to use? So with all that being said, and there's some good points in this. As I was reading, don't, don't tell me about the climate, but really quick, I'm going to tell you about the climate. According to this, research has calculated how many new gas guzzlers, gas guzzlers humanity can afford to put on the roads, assuming that global temperatures are on, a tra on track to rise one and a half degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Keeping global heating below that level is essential to avoid catastrophic effects, including runaway ice melt and sea level rise, scientists say. Right. So again, going back, the ice is going to melt, just changing. Actually, this was a hot summer, but here in Arizona, it wasn't It wasn't a record summer. Like, last year was really freaking hot. This year, we've got a lot of rain. I know earlier this year, unrelated to this, we're talking pure agriculture, and you could look it up. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember hearing about it and reading about it. A bunch of head of cattle just collapsed and died over a span of maybe two weeks all throughout the Midwest, and that is directly related to climate change. To climate, it was hotter and drier than it had ever been. And it's not to say that the farmers aren't prepared for this. This is what they do. But it must have been that much of a change. Thousands of head of cattle died. That's crazy. So again, I'm not saying it's not a real thing. So going back to this report, the report closely analyzed the state of electrification plans for four automakers that make up 40% of the world's cars, which is GM, Hyundai, slash Kia, Toyota, and Volkswagen Group. Those are the four big ones globally. Two of them have set dates to eliminate fossil fuel cars by 2035, which is GM and Kia by 2045. Here's the problem. And again, this is projections. Projections, I love sports. We project who's going to win, the odds, but they still have to play the game. Things can still change. So projections only mean so much. 
there's an asteroid coming to Earth, and the scientists project it's going to hit us in two weeks, and it will be a life-destroying event, probably should take that serious. But if you're projecting what's going to happen with our climate in the next 50 to 100 to 200 years, it's hard to get people to buy in because there's so much shit going on right now. So there's a thing called the combustion engine bubble. Cars that could be produced but not sold as a result would leave car makers with millions of vehicles that consumers don't want and the companies can't offload. Car makers face considerable business and financial risks, ranging from loss of market share to all new to all electric entrants to stranded assets, the reports said, noting that potential losses could top, could top $2 trillion globally. But here's the part that I think is important. And to me, if you just sit back and think about it, we can all go out and buy EVs today. This is not going to change what I'm about to say. This report highlights that some, some forgotten aspects of the EV transition. So according to this report, some of the forgotten aspects of the EV transition include things like gas-burning cars will continue to be driven on roads and highways for years after the last one rolls off the assembly line. Makes sense, right? With the average age of a new car now over 12 years, that means even if automakers electrify in the next few decades, there would still be carbon-emitting cars on the road well past the middle of the century. That's the reality. That's the unavoidable part. What are you going to do with all the cars that are out there now? We stop selling internal combustion vehicles on 2035, which is not going to happen, obviously. The whole point of this is that we're way behind schedule, these articles. You can't buy a new vehicle in 2035 that's internal combustion. It's got to be EV. Okay. We have 100 years worth of vehicles, and there's still some out there. Granted, you see them, and they look like damn near stagecoach cars, early 19th century cars, but they're still out there. They still need gas. Cars today are out there still need gas. I sold my NSX, well, one of the reasons why I wanted a Type S, obviously, but the writing to me was on the wall. Because at some point, you can only, you're only going to be take, you're only going to be able to take these cars to car shows on special use cases. But you can't just shut off all the pumps to gasoline. The infrastructure doesn't exist. There's so much money is going to be lost. People are just going to, people at the top that make those decisions are going to come up missing. Just like in the movies. There's so much truth to all that stuff. Elon Musk finally invents a molecule, finally, finally invents something where every vehicle tomorrow can be switched over to this new energy. He'll, he'll show up dead. That's how this works. Too much money. So I'll read this and I quote regarding Vehicles that will be way past the middle of the century, still carbon-emitting vehicles. That reality has led some countries in the States to get more ambitious goals for phasing out gas cars. The UK aims to stop selling new fossil fuel cars by 2030, and California has pledged to do so by 2035, which we all know in the United States because everyone just, oh, what are we going to do? Screw Cali. I'm like, that's 2035. Do the math. That's a long time from now. Greenpeace is calling on car makers to follow suit and ditch the gas-burning engine by the end of the decade. So that's 2030. Car companies need to stop selling diesel and patrol vehicles, including hybrids. Oh, now you're fucking with my NSX. By 2030, said the latest, said Greenpeace's Stefan. So this is going to be one of these things. These reports, I get it. These are projections. But again, this goes, you, you can go all the way back to the beginning of this whole conversation. If you stop selling these vehicles, then what? We've, every day it seems like a new EV is coming out. And I'm for the EVs, but I don't see EV gas stations. <laughs> that sounds funny. I don't see EV energy stations 
recharge stations popping up everywhere. I don't see them. I'm sure they're there, but I don't see them. And one thing that we do know, and the the information is always out there, if if there's 20 recharge stations, maybe 15 of them work. And if you could find those 15, 12 or 13 of them have people sitting there charging their vehicles, sometimes overnight. My wife has a friend that has a Tesla, and she lives in an apartment complex. She charges her Tesla across the street at a fries all night, all night. So there's not even limits. Like you park there and you recharge until you're full and then you leave. That station is probably going to show up on somebody's map. I know Tesla has their own software to find the nearest charged and supercharged locations. Ford has one as well. There's probably a generic one that finds any of them. There's probably an app out there that exists, but that's the problem. And that's just one recharge spot. Any of you listening to this can go outside and go to one of probably, you probably know 20 gas stations in your area. When's the last time you rolled by a gas station and there wasn't even one car there? There's always at least one car there if it's open, unless you're just in the middle of East Jesus. But if you're in the city or the suburbs, there's always at least one car there. Most times, there's multiple cars there. And if it's during rush, if it's morning or afternoon when people are coming home, there's multiple cars. There's cars waiting. Think about Costco. I've never bought Costco gas. The line is too freaking long. So yeah, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Electrification news. So as promised, in other news, we're going to talk about the 2023 Civic Type R, which I have not seen one in person. Actually, I have seen one. It was on the back of a trailer, but I didn't take pictures of it out of respect. But according to this article, by Car Scoops, the first dyno test shows the 2023 Civic Type R makes more power than Honda says they do. This is Sebastian Bell, November 10th, he wrote this. According to the tuner, the vehicle makes 327.3 horsepower and 359 0.53 foot torque. All right, that's when your torque exceeds your horsepower, your vehicle is going to get off the line quick. Those figures are rather flattering to the ones quoted by Honda, which says the vehicle is at 315. So 327 versus 315, it doesn't sound like it's a lot, but it's, you notice, it's like putting on a cold air intake or something or a new exhaust and retuning the engine. Honda also says it only has 310 pounds of torque versus the 359 reported by the tuner. I'm seeing buzz on this thing everywhere. I was thought about reaching out to Ryan Eversley. If you guys want, let me know, and I can try to reach out to him and see if he'll talk about it. I know he and Honda Pro Jason were, I think, in Sonoma, and they were road testing this. They get to do all the cool stuff. I don't get to do stuff like that. I haven't made it yet. But people are loving it. Some people, are, Most people are loving it. It's wider than the original one. Or I say original. It's wider than the standard Civic. And it's popping up all over Instagram. Everyone's saying that how much they love it or they love the platform. It's going to be the next performance vehicle that everyone has as far as, I don't know, I want to call it entry-level performance. It's not really. I mean, this thing's $40,000. I think forty-three is MSRP on it before people tack on twenty to 30 markup for it at least. But people are excited about it. It'll be interesting to see them all over the place once that happens. But then, you know, what happens? You look up and, oh, there's another Civic Type R. The FK8, which is the previous version, it looks, I, I've never been a big fan of them visually, but I know they're tremendous cars. If you guys saw the video that I made a year or two ago when Tyson Hughie threw me the keys to his, well, it wasn't his, it belonged to Honda, but he let me come over and borrow it. 
but I drove it around for a few hours and filmed a video and got my thoughts on it. I mean, the thing was, it shifted. It was a butter smooth. Like that thing was nice. Need a little more oomph, a little more noise. Sounds funny coming from a guy who drives a hybrid NSX, which noise wise doesn't even compare to my old car in any way, shape or form. But to be fair, the old car had like every mod you can pretty much get a lot louder. Didn't have to get, uh, didn't have to get emissions on it, but I'm looking forward. I don't know. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Tell me what you think about the Civic Type R just initially. I'm not going to buy one. The next vehicle we get is something that Yvette wants. She's thinking about replacing her, her uh, Audi. So it's not like, hey, Jay, you're going to get one? You're going to get the Integra? You're going to get the Civic? No, I'm, I'm not going to get one. I appreciate them. I think they're cool, but I can only tell you so much about it. And I'm a talking head. This is what I do. This is cars, right? When I decide to talk about cars. But if I thought it was the most awful thing on the planet, I'm not going to go online and tell you that. I'm just going to be like, eh, it's not for me. It's a cool car. Whether it's for me or not doesn't matter because I'm not really in the market for it. And that is the car news. So I've gone down this. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Project Farm, which is a YouTube page, but it's like a big rabbit hole. And it's such an, it's an addicting page. So anyway, the guy does a bunch of reviews on a bunch of different things and, and puts them all up head to head. And I recently watched one on air filters, engine air filters, because you know, we always hear about K&N, right? Like K&N is king. So usually when I buy a car, I always go out and I'm like, all right, do I want to spend the money on a K&N air filter? So then you go out and you buy one. And watching this guy's video, the K&N air filter is the best for performance as far as racing, zero to 60 times. But it's one of the worst, if not, it's actually the worst as far as uh, keeping particles out of your engine. So the best to keep particles out of your engine is a purolator which costs a fraction of the price. So I ended up buying two purolators or shot a bunch of video on it. Um, uploaded. I think I'm going to try one of those YouTube things, but I'm also going to make it a reel, like was it YouTube shorts and also make it a reel. And then maybe do a video on my findings of it, but it's project farm. Check them out. Uh, they don't pay obviously for anything with this podcast. It'd be nice to get on their level at some point, but it's one of those things where it's like our whole life. We always get what's being advertised, what's popular without actually looking at the data. It's crazy, but it also makes me think about our house because in our house, I woke up this morning and I had a, an error on my phone, a notification from my nest. And it says your heater start and stopped an unusual amount of times within a certain length of time. And I'm like, okay, this, I've seen that before. And then I need to call my HVAC people to come and check a look at it. And I started thinking about that test. And then I turned on the, the home air filter because I did one with home air filters too, because we use Merv, Merv like 13 or 14, whatever the best air filter you can buy because my mother-in-law has crazy allergies everywhere in this house except for me well even i have them now so you want to get the one that filters out like the best but what happens is and it's the same thing with the pure later in the k&n the k&n allows for more airflow it leads in the airflow which makes a lot of sense because your engine needs more air to perform better which is why it's the best as far as zero to 60 times and this is why it lets more particles in because there's a certain level of restriction. It's the same thing with the home filter. So I started thinking, well, maybe these Merv 13, 14 filters are just way too restrictive because I noticed when I installed them one time, I was underneath the, the vents. We have these, those giant, I think it's 25 by 30 by one. There's three of them upstairs. I noticed that when I install them and the air conditioner comes on or just the, or just the fan comes on and it sucks the air, I'm like, man, that thing's working really hard. 
And now I know why. It's working really hard because these MERV filters, these MERV 13, 14 filters, whatever we have, they're so tightly wound, they restrict airflow. And I wonder if that's what's going on with our heater in the house. So I may have to kick it down, MERV 8, MERV 10, which is kind of counterintuitive because now I'm like kind of playing with the other people in the house to see how bad it affects them at the expense of, or at the, at the, at the cost of testing to find out if that's better for the overall airflow of the house. Because in theory, it's the same deal, right? Engine air filter, cabin air filter, home air filter. They're all sucking in and spitting out air. So I got, I'll let you guys know what's up with that. But yeah, check them out, man. Um, Project Farm. But obviously, you have to subscribe to my podcast first or my, my YouTube channel first. But one of the right Honda and right Toyota, Escasso, Arizona, Foil Online, Cell Shop Wireless Services, Westgate Exotic Cars and Rentals, Patreon Business, Sport of Automotive, Out of Garden, Florida, Pell Construction, Ocadone, Michigan, Big House, Small Home Design, Ashburn, Virginia, Traverse City, Michigan. I would say if you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, you can join the Patreon for as little as $3 a month and get access to bonus audio as well as show swag, but I say that every week. Boom, I just said it again. Thanks, Mark Stillman, Catherine Cox, City Ramos, Richard Graves, Byron Jones, Bojong, Alex Kamina, Andrew Bunkley. Tell all your friends about hardparkingpod.com. Leave a review. Get me on Instagram, jfinning. Name's on the description. Hard Parking Violations Facebook page. I can't grow late telling the world how great this show is. Which, by the way, Wes, you stole that from me. West Tank at least shaping success. Catch us every Wednesday on One Drink Wednesday, 7 o'clock Pacific time. So, reset. I can't grow like telling the world how good the show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together, and I'll talk to you all next week. Shut up! <laughs> now it's stripping time. Ain't nobody got time for that.